Well, before we jump into this week, I do want to talk about next week a little bit. So Modern Romance, we're going to cover everything from singleness to dating to marriage. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, if you've tried to be in any sort of relationship, you have noticed. It's hard to be in a relationship. It's hard to stay in a relationship. It's hard to make that relationship healthy and work. It's hard to, yeah, it's just hard, right? Relationships are challenging. So instead of confronting or embracing that challenge on our own, we want to go to God's Word. This is going to be a unique series because we're going to address things I've never heard addressed in the church before, and we're going to do it from a completely biblical standpoint. So we're going to start with the Bible. How can the Bible and the wisdom from the Bible speak into our lives and speak into our relationships? So I'm really excited about that. Can't wait to see you back here next week for that modern romance It'll be a new series we're starting. Before we start today, I want to just open up in a word of prayer. I just feel kind of this, this sense that we need to bring ourselves to the Lord right now, and we need to seek his presence with us. So let's do that right now. Father, we welcome you into this place through your Holy Spirit, and we pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to everything you have for us. Lord, I feel like there's some heavy things in this room right now, some heavy things on our hearts and in our minds and Father, I don't ask that you would just take those away magically because I know that's not how you work, but I pray that you would help us in the middle of these things to see how you're working, to understand your presence. And even, even through this message today or through the worship today or through the community today, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, you would show us the way forward. So Jesus, we want you to be our Lord today in this place. We give this time to you and this place to you and this message to you and this community to you. And just ask that you would be glorified, and as we glorify you, that we would experience the life that you bring into our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Everybody said, amen. amen. There, there's something in, in our lives where we want to know the secret or the key to how to do something. Uh, especially in our culture today, we like to be able to do things faster, quicker, better. And so I also want to know what the key is. Now, the great thing is God made YouTube, or somebody made YouTube to where we can find out the secrets to things. Uh, we got Google now where we can find out the secrets to things. So I did a little Google search the other day. I just started typing in, what is the secret to, and then let it autofill, which is brilliant. What do you imagine the first one is? What is the secret to life? What's the secret to life? Now, what kind of question is that? And what, what kind of, I don't I have no idea, but that's the number one search, at least the number one popping up for me. Second search was, what is the secret to, what do you think? Happiness. Success was about six or seven down. Happiness was the next one. What's the secret to happiness? You want to know what number three was? What is the secret to moist meatloaf? You want to know what number four was? What is the secret to crispy fried chicken? And then there's something weird going on in, in our lives. Isn't there We're like, how do I be happy? How do I understand the secret to life? How do I get some moist meatloaf? How do we get some of that crispy, crispy fried chicken? What's the secret to creamy macaroni salad? I swear that was on there. Who makes macaroni salad, period? And then who's searching to make it creamy? And then how many of us are there? There's a lot of secret creamy macaroni salad lovers out there that can't talk to other people about it. They just got to search for this weird stuff online. All right, so we, we're searching for, we, we want to know what the secret is, whether that's life and success and happiness or whether that's creamy macaroni salad and crispy, crispy fried chicken and super moist, you might hate that word, moist meatloaf. Some people are cringing around, a moist, just that moist, moist meatloaf. We want to know how to make that moist meatloaf. Well, today I'm not going to give you the meatloaf or the fried chicken or the life or the happiness, unfortunately, but there's Google searches. You, you can find all those things online. Today, as we finish up our spiritual warfare series, I want us to talk about what is the secret to spiritual strength. 
How do we become people who are spiritually strong and when we're engaged, we've talked about this last few weeks, this battle between the forces of darkness, and this is a very real thing in the spiritual realm, and against us. Because Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against these spiritual forces. So how do we become people who are spiritually strong? What is the secret to that? To find the secret, we're going to go to the teachings of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is in the middle of his earthly ministry. He's teaching. He just gets done teaching on prayer. He's, he's spending time with his close friends and followers and raising them up and training them up. And in Luke chapter 11, we have something take place. We're going to be in verse 14, where Jesus teaches us the key to spiritual strength. And this is going to be really practical. So I know some of you are already kind of checking out. You're thinking spiritual strength. I don't know what that is. This key is so incredibly practical that I wanted to make sure we covered it on our final message in this series. So stick with us today. Luke chapter 11, verse 14, this is what the Word of God says to us. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. So Jesus goes to this guy who can't speak, he's mute. Uh, and we understand in Scripture, sometimes things are caused, physical issues are caused by natural causes. And sometimes there is a spiritual cause as well. For whatever reason, this demon who was in this man made him mute. Jesus cast the demon out, and he can speak now. And everyone's amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. And others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Well, Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Any kingdom that's divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what happens is Jesus does this miracle, which every time Jesus does a miracle, you'd expect everyone to be excited. But there's always some people who are unhappy that Jesus did this miracle. And this typically it's the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And so they actually challenge Jesus and say, Jesus, you must have been able to cast out this demon by the power of Beelzebul. This is a name, it was a, a pejorative name, a negative name that the Jewish people would have used for Satan. And so they say, you must have been using the power. And Jesus looks back at them and says, well, you've got followers who can cast demons out sometimes. So uh, who are they doing it by? Is Satan casting out his own, himself? Is Satan against Satan? And Jesus is challenging them this, on this point. And then he says, but if, by the, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, what does the, the finger of God mean? This is actually a reference Jesus is making, and he does this all the time. We just don't know our Bibles well enough to get it. He's making a reference all the way back to the second book of the Bible, Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 8, verse 19, you have the whole showdown between Moses, you know, Prince of Egypt, guessing Prince of Egypt, Moses, let my people go, Charlton Heston, maybe for some of the older people here. You know, like that, that's, that's Moses, right? Moses came in, and God, through Moses, did these miracles in Egypt. And each time a miracle took place, the magicians in Pharaoh's court, and Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, the magicians in Pharaoh's court would try to replicate that miracle. But they got to one miracle, and I love this miracle, they couldn't replicate. It was all these gnats just appeared everywhere in Egypt, and the whole country was covered in gnats. Now, I hate gnats. In Mississippi, we have some gnats in the summer, and I hate it. You could try to go sit outside and just enjoy a nice sweet tea, and the gnats come at you. Imagine if everything was covered in gnats all the time. 
And the magicians say, the, the Egyptian magicians say, we, we don't know how to replicate this thing. It said by their secret arts they tried to do it. And they tell Pharaoh, it is by the finger of God that these gnats have come. In other words, God himself has done this. So what Jesus is saying is, if, if it's not Satan who's doing this miracle, then it's the finger of God. And if the finger of God is here and God is doing this, then the kingdom of God is present as well. What Jesus is making clear is, I'm doing this, and I'm God, and the kingdom of God is right here in your presence because you see these miracles being done. Well, then we go on, though. Jesus' teaching continues. Jesus, uh, it says, then uh, tells this story, uh, verse 21. We'll keep going here. Jesus said, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house. Now, I want you to remember that word guards because we're going to come back to it. It's a Greek word, phuloso. Somebody say phuloso. It's like you're calling someone a fool, and you also tell them to lasso something, and you got a weird accent when you say it. That's whenever I say a Greek word, I think of this weird stuff. Fulasso. Okay, so we're going to come back to that. But when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, that man takes away the armor in which the man trusted, and he divides up his plunder. And you're like, Jesus, why are you telling this story about home defense? Are you trying to sell us a home defense system? Are you trying to sell us a shotgun? Are you trying to sell us a Smith & Wesson shield, the pistol, 9mm, awesome gun? What are you trying to do, Jesus? And what Jesus is doing is he's telling us what's taking place in the spiritual at this point. Who is the strong man? The strong man is Satan. Satan has power. He's strong. He's fully armed. He's guarding his possessions on this earth. He is the prince of the air, we're told. He, he rules over this earth. And that's what we're told in Ephesians. But here Jesus comes up and he says, okay, there's a strong person, but what happens when one who's even stronger comes in? The one who's stronger will take away all his armor, will steal all his possessions. What Jesus is saying is, in this moment, I'm coming in and all the works of Satan and all the power of Satan is being broken down because I am destroying it. I'm stripping him of his armor. I'm plundering him of his possessions. And this is good news. Jesus is saying there's a new chapter that's opened up in this, in this spiritual world where I am now in control. And we're told other places in the Bible through Jesus' life, his death, and then his resurrection from the dead, he put to shame the spiritual powers. He conquered them. He has won. When I was in Papua New Guinea years ago, I was serving down there on a mission trip, and I was there for six weeks. And so during these six weeks, I got to go to a whole bunch of church services, which I loved. And down, down there, they speak something called Melanesian Pigeon. It's a weird mishmash of English with French, with some German, with some native languages as well. It's a weird language because if, you're, if you speak English, you can kind of understand what they're saying. Like right now, you could go there and you could probably understand about 15 to 20% of the language without knowing any of it. You spend six weeks, so you can start to learn a lot of it. And so they had this weird mishmash where they'll bring in some English words and mix it with other stuff. And they had a worship song they sang. It was my favorite song I, I sang the whole time I was there because it's one of the few songs I actually remembered because it was mostly English. And it goes like this. You guys ready? I'm going to sing it for you. You guys ready? Pretend like this is just like a great song I'm about to sing to you. Like, in other words, I'm singing it well. I want to feel like I'm on The Voice right now, and you guys are turning your chairs to see me. Here's how it goes. It goes like this. And by the way, I'm going to do the accent. Um, <laughs> And, and there's no, nothing offensive meant by this, but I don't think I can actually communicate the words without the accent because it's so ingrained in my, my mind. Here's how it goes. Jesus is a wiener man, a wiener man, a wiener man. Wait for it. Jesus is a wiener man, a wiener man all the time. In other words, Jesus is a winner. 
Jesus is a winner. That was the whole song, except there was a second verse. You ready to hear it? Satan is a loose man, a loose man, a loose man. That's it. That was the song right there. It's like, okay, Jesus is a winner man, and Satan is a loose man. That's it. That's the whole song. And I think, what a simple song, but what spiritual truth. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. I'm a winner man. Satan's a loser man. This is it. Like, this is all, all power has been given to me. I've stripped him of his power. Jesus has won. But here's my question. Jesus has won, but are you on his side? So Jesus, we know this. Jesus is the winner. We get Jesus is the winner. But where do you fall in that? Are you with Jesus spiritually to where if he has defeated Satan and taken everything that belongs to Satan, stripped off Satan's armor, are you on the side of Jesus or not? Because here's what Jesus says next. This is not the secret, by the way, but this is, we're getting close to the secret. This is what it says. Verse 23, Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. In other words, there's no neutrality. You can't be Switzerland when it comes to Jesus and just hang out in the middle and not pick a side. You've got to pick a side. Jesus says, whoever does not gather with me, whoever's not joining themselves with me, they scatter. They're off. They're not, they're not present. And we got to understand this. When it comes to spiritual strength, if we are not absolutely with Jesus, we are against Jesus. There's no halfway in. We, we like to find the balance in things. This is part of the millennial and Gen Z generations. We want to find the balance. We want to find the truth everywhere. I saw a great tweet the other day. Guy said, it took me 28 years to realize, no matter what meeting you're in, if you just chime in and say, well, it's really about finding the balance, everyone will agree with you. Every time, I've tried this, doesn't matter the conversation, talk politics. Well, it's really about finding the balance. And you can say it no matter who you are, because for you, you, everyone knows there's extremes on either side of you, and you want to find the balance, which is right where you are. It's about finding the balance. Everyone's going to agree with you. Doesn't matter the topic, talk about sports. Is Tom Brady the best ever? Well, it's about finding the balance here. It's about finding the balance. I uh, want to talk about music. Hey, do we, do we like Olivia Rodrigo's new album? Is it the best ever? It's about finding the balance, right? It's all about finding the balance the problem is when you try to find the balance with Jesus, you are against him. You are opposed to him. You try to look at the world and look at Jesus and find a balance between the two. You set yourself up in opposition to Jesus, and he is not on your side. And you are not protected by him. We do this in so many areas of our life. In our relationships, we try to find the balance. Yes, we want to serve and love others, but we also got to protect ourselves. We got to serve our own interests. We can't trust other people to watch out for us. And so we've got to protect ourselves and maybe do what's best for us and sometimes do something that's not good for somebody else because it serves us. While we're also trying to love other people, we try to find the balance there. You can't do that. We try to find the balance in our jobs. I want, to be, I want to be a hard worker. I want to do well. I want to serve. But I'm also going to talk about my boss behind his back a little bit. I'm going to talk about my manager behind her back a little bit because they really annoy me. And I'm going to try to find that balance between being a good boss but also being able to vent to my other, other fellow employees. You can't do that. You can't find the balance. You say, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to honor him with every aspect of my life, including my sex life, but I'm going to watch porn once or twice a week and be okay with it because no one's perfect. You can't do that. You, you got to fight back. you got to be focused on what God wants. You can't have it both ways. You cannot find the balance when it comes to Jesus. You go all in with him. Too many of us are trying to find the balance. We are spiritually weak. We are spiritually vulnerable. We are spiritually exposed because we're trying to find the balance in our lives between following Jesus and following what we want on our own. 
and we're leaving ourselves in a very dangerous place. Jesus tells a story next. We're getting to the secret. We're almost to the secret here, but he tells us a story about what happens for a kind of person who tries to find the balance in their lives. This is what he says, verse 24. When an impure spirit, he's talking about a demonic spirit, comes out of a person. Remember, he just healed a person, so he's got a great object lesson right here. I just healed this person of a demon, cast the demon out. And Jesus says, when a demon, an impure spirit, comes out of a person, it goes through arid places. That word means dry. It goes through dry places seeking a rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Sounds pretty balanced. The word put in order can also mean decorated. In other words, the demon comes back and finds the house, and the house is clean, and it's nice. It's got a real feng shui feeling about it. Everything's been positioned just perfectly. I was reading up on feng shui the other day. You've got to put your bed or your, or your chair in a command position in the room, and you've got to open up the doorway as well. I'm sure, I'm sure that feels cool and everything, but like everything's balanced, right? It's nice. Most of us can't even get our clothes cleaned up. We can't get the, the carpets vacuumed. This house is picked up. It's nice. It's balanced. It's good. But what happens when the demon comes back? Then it goes, verse 26, it takes seven other spirits who are more wicked than itself. Can you, can you imagine that? Like there's a demon, but there's a more wicked demon. How does that feel to be a demon and your whole job is to be wicked and you're not the wickedest dude out there? You thought about that? That's a weird thought, right? Like, what if I just thought about it right now? This has I had nothing with nothing about this was not planned. But what, like, what if there's a level of how wicked the demons are, and you're at the bottom of the level as a demon? That would be a real bummer if you're a demon, wouldn't it? So this, I guess, a lower level demon, not a very wicked demon. He's not doing his job very well. Gets seven other better demons. That's a weird thought too. Better demons, and he brings them back. Forget I said all that. He brings them back, and they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than when they started. It's worse than the first. Now, this, this is a person. This is a house representing a person. But the house is put in order. There's balance there, feng shui there. Everything's ordered well. It's cleaned up. And they end up worse off than when they started. What's Jesus telling us here? You can't have it both ways. You go all in with Jesus or you stand opposed to him and you're spiritually vulnerable, you are spiritually exposed, you are in spiritual danger. So how do we, as just normal people, living normal lives, this is Jesus 2,000 years ago teaching this to his followers, but here we are 2,000 years later, how do we as normal people go about living a life that is, is not balanced where we're trying to hold Jesus on this side and the world on this side? How do we live a life where we are spiritually strong where we're not exposed, where we are safe from spiritual attack because we are in Jesus' power. How do we do it? Jesus gives us a really clear final thing, but he does it in a funny way. You know, Jesus is teaching, and I love sometimes you get glimpses that Jesus was a real guy teaching real people because it doesn't go according to how it should go. I want Jesus to drop his wisdom, like at the very end, he's crafted this perfect message, and at the very end, he drops this powerful statement at the end. That's not how this happens. He's teaching... And then uh, it says, verse 27, as he was saying these things, some, some lady in the crowd called out. She just interrupts him. And she says, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Now, I like to think, it, it, it just wasn't because I think it would tell us, but I like to think that's Mary, the mother of Jesus, being like, hey, blessed is the woman who bore you. I don't think it was because it would have told us if it was. But some lady's just like shouting out this stuff about Jesus' mom, you know. This is like classic comedian stuff. Someone starts heckling you or shouting from the crowd, and you just roll with it. Jesus rolls with it. Here's what he says. He doesn't say, oh, I got a good mom. Love her. Love my mom. She's the best. She makes incre incredibly moist meatloaf. 
I love the moist meatloaf she makes. He doesn't say any of that. What does he say? Actually, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and they obey it. Now, the word obey, I want to zero in on that for a second. This word is phulaso. Blessed is he obeys. Remember the word phulaso showed up earlier? Satan is guarding his house. He's protecting his house. Now, it's the same word translated two different ways, and that's okay because the Bible is the best translated document in the history of the world. It's incredibly well translated. And if you know languages, you know the same word doesn't always mean the exact same thing. But we miss out in the English that in the first place, in verse, in verse 21, this word means that Satan guards his house. He protects his house. And then we're told to protect or obey or guard the word of God. What is the secret to spiritual strength that Jesus is teaching us? He's saying Satan will try to guard his own house and he'll be defeated because he can't do it on his own. And then he looks at us, and, and just FYI, you have less power than Satan on your own. You're exposed. What's the key? If, if Satan can't guard his house, how can we expect to guard our house against Satan? And Jesus says, guard or protect or obey the word of God. When you guard the word of God, when you protect or obey the word of God in your life, you will be spiritually strong. Jesus said this exact thing. Luke chapter 4, you can go back and read it. Just a few, ver a few chapters before this, Jesus, before he's begun his ministry, is tempted by Satan three times. The first time, Jesus had just gotten done fasting for 40 days. I don't know if you guys have tried fasting before. Most of us can't get through 40 minutes of fasting, let alone 40 hours or 40 days. At about day 20 of fasting, your body starts consuming itself. Now, you could survive. You and I could survive a 40-day fast if we were drinking enough water. But your body at day 20 starts consuming itself. And by day 40, you if, if you haven't had any calories, you haven't eaten any food, you are just a shadow of yourself. Jesus has been through 40 days of fasting. Satan comes to him. And he says, if you're the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Tell them to do that. They'll do it. If you're really the son of God. He attacks Jesus' identity. And what does Jesus come back and say? He actually quotes scripture. He says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, what I love about Jesus is he doesn't just quote scripture. He obviously knows it. He doesn't just quote it, but then once he says it, he does what it says. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust my father. The next thing Satan tries to do is he takes him up to a really high point on the temple, and he says, hey, toss yourself off, because it says in Psalm 91 that his angels will protect you, they'll lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus comes back and says, no, don't put the Lord your God to the test. He quotes scripture a second time. And then what does he do? He obeys it. He guards it in his life. He protects it by doing what the scripture says and not testing God. Third time, Satan takes him up to a mountain, shows him and says, all the kingdoms of the earth, and he shows them all. He says, all this will be yours, Jesus, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus commands Satan to get away from him because he says, worship the Lord and him only shall you serve. Boom. And then he does it. He only worships the Father. Now, what I love about Jesus is when he teaches us something, we see it reflected in his life. Jesus said the key to your spiritual strength is hearing the word of God and then obeying it or protecting it or guarding it in your life. Just like Satan's trying to guard his possessions, guard this world, and Jesus has overpowered him, we have to guard 
God's word in our lives if we want to stay on God's side and we want to have spiritual strength. We've got to do it. Too often, though, we look around and say, ah, you know, like, yeah, I know Jesus said some of this stuff, but dang, that stuff's hard. That's like, that's a really challenging stuff to do. So I want to do kind of do that, kind of not do that. Where we end up is a really nice feng shui balanced life and we're exposed to the attacks of Satan. And you know what? You can see this in your life. You can see over and over again in your life when you don't take the word of God seriously and guard it and protect it and obey it in your life, you stand exposed. Kind of like God, God's like a, a designer of a house. Designed a beautiful house. I don't know if God designed a house I don't know what style it would be. It would just be bougie is all I know. Because like God would, he would know all the extra stuff that we haven't invented yet to put in that house. So you'd walk in the house and I don't know, there'd just be some super cool stuff that I don't even know what it is because it hasn't been made yet. But like the technology that Apple's going to come out with in 50 years, God would go ahead and put that in this house now. It would be an awesome house. You walk into the house and God says, this is yours. Tax free, rent free. You don't have to pay utilities even because I've got a way to do clean energy now and it's all taken care of and it does it on its own. You're like, God, this is amazing. So you get this house. And the designer of the house then gives you a book and he says, okay, so here, here's how. Now, this is such a nice house. Everyone's going to want to come and steal your technology and take everything good. So you got about six months probably before they find out it's here. But here's a book of how to do home defense. And you flip, start flipping the book open, and there's some sick stuff in there, weapons that haven't been made yet, and alarms that haven't been created yet, and like dog breeds that will kill people who try to come in that haven't even been made yet. It's all there. It's like, here's how to do it. Here's how to protect your house. So you're flipping through. You're thinking this is looking good. But you know this is going to be hard to do. you got six months to, to protect this. you got to do the whole Swiss Family Robinson thing. Anybody watch that movie? you got to fight off the pirates. So you're like, i got to get into this. But you know you can't do it on your own. So what do you do? You start, you start going to a meeting every week where they start talking about, here's how you do home defense for this kind of house. And you start taking notes. You start jotting down those notes because you're going to do this. And, but you know that's not enough either. So you actually get a group of friends around. And you guys start going through and you start talking about exactly what it says to do and how to defend your home and how to make sure no one comes in and takes it over. And you walk through it. Like when you get to the flamethrower part, you guys love that conversation because you have these amazing flamethrowers that can cook people, right? It's just awesome. You're like, that'll help. And you keep going through. And, and you actually go back and you, you want to go so far in, you start watching movies about home defense. You're like, I want to get this into me. I want to learn how to do this. So the, you watch the best movie on home defense ever made. Home Alone, right? And then you watch the sequels as well because it just keeps getting better. And so you're ready to go. So you've, you go to this weekly meeting and you're taking notes and you're learning. And you're going to this, this discussion with these group of friends and you're learning how to do it. And you got, you got all your notes in here and you are brilliant. You know how to stop anybody coming in. Like straight up Osama bin Laden could come back from the dead and try to come in and his ghost wouldn't be able to make it in. You know so much. And then six months comes and somebody comes into your house and they take it all. Because you didn't actually do anything. You learned about it. You had conversations about it. You thought you'd figured everything out, but you were exposed because you hadn't actually guarded it and protected it and obeyed what it said. God has given us his word, and he has told us how to be spiritually strong. Obey my word, protect my word, guard my word. And over and over and over again, we learn about it. We come and sit on weekly meetings about it. We go to small group discussions about it. We listen to podcasts about it. We sing songs about it. We watch movies about it. And then we don't do it, and we're spiritually exposed. How do we stay spiritually strong? We guard 
the word of God in our lives. What would that look like for you this week? It would look like reading God's word, first of all, hearing it, bringing it into your life in some way, memorizing God's word. And then when, whenever God's word teaches us to do something, teaches us to live in a certain way, you do it. You just do it. When, when it teaches us to build others up and not tear them down, you read that, and you actually go out and you build others up and you don't tear them down. When it teaches us to honor God first with our money, you go out and you be generous. You give money away. You put God first with your own money. You don't pay him at the end of the month. You pay him at the first paycheck you get. You give generously. When it comes to your family, you don't tolerate them and roll your eyes behind their backs. Talk trash about them. You love them well. You put up with them. You absorb what they throw at you. You absorb it, and then you respond with love. When it comes to your relationship, your romantic relationship, you are not self-gratifying and self-focused. You are others-focused and others-giving. When it comes to your thought life, you don't allow your thoughts to run rampant, um, evil thoughts or lustful thoughts, but you focus in on what God has for you, what is good and right and true, the Bible says. That is how you stay spiritually strong. We've talked about a lot in the Spiritual Warfare series. If you missed out on some of them, go back and listen to them. Good, good stuff. But really what it boils down to is knowing the Word of God and then trusting Him enough to actually guard it in your life. So here's my question as we wrap up today. How do you need to guard or protect or obey the Word of God better in your life. My guess is the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. He's, he's highlighting something. Hey, this is the area where you are not obeying me. This is the area where you're not following God's word. This is how you're spiritually vulnerable, where you're spiritually exposed, where you're spiritually weak. You need to guard that area of your life. You need to protect it. You need to obey me. The reality is on your own, you can, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can. And so right now, if the Holy Spirit's highlighting something in your life, an area in your life, and maybe it's an area you've been fighting a long time, and you know exactly what it is, and you're feeling right now just weighed down because you've tried it, and you've tried it, and you've tried it, right now, just commit yourself to doing everything within your power to protecting God's word, guarding God's word, obeying God's word in your life, and then just do it the best you can. And trust the Holy Spirit, pray for the Holy Spirit to help. Maybe it's something new. The Holy Spirit's brought something up in your life you haven't even been thinking about, and you're realizing right now, I need to do it. Go out as soon as you can and go obey that thing. Let me tell you, as you obey God's word, you gain spiritual strength. And sometimes the same day. I've seen it over and over again in my life and other people's lives. When you obey God's word, when you protect it and guard it in your life, you gain spiritual strength. What is the key to spiritual strength? It's not big it's not exciting. It's simple. It's right in front of you. Obey what God's asking you to do and then keep doing that. Obey God's word and you will be spiritually strong. So what do you need to obey today? What do you need to guard today? What do you need to protect today? Let's pray right now. Jesus, thank you for your teaching, for showing us how we need to live, uh, showing us with your teaching by your example but Father, right now, a lot of us are spiritually exposed. We're trying to find that balance between your way and our way. But Father, help us, 
to give in to the way of Jesus, to give in to your Holy Spirit's leading, to give in to your will for our lives and follow you no matter the cost, go all in with you no matter the cost. Right now, as we remain in prayer, I know some of us have felt our hearts challenged. And that's the Holy Spirit. It wasn't so much the words I said. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You know there's an area of your life where you are spiritually exposed, where you are spiritually weak, where you are spiritually vulnerable. And that is the area where you're not obeying the Word of God in your life. Maybe the Holy Spirit brought something new up. You never thought about this area before, but he highlighted it for you. Maybe this is an ongoing fight you've been fighting in your life. But if you sense that, if you sense there's this area where you need to obey Jesus more fully, would you just raise a hand right now and show on the outside what the Holy Spirit's saying on the inside? Lots and lots of hands. Anybody else say, that's me. Lots of hands up. Anybody else say, that's me right there. I know it. I know it. Anybody else? Thank you for those hands. I want, I want you to know, you can go and put those hands down. I don't want to pray for you, but when you, by raising a hand, that in and of itself does nothing, but what it does is it makes real for your heart and soul on the outside that God's doing something on the inside. He's doing something real. He's speaking to you. The creator of the universe is speaking to you. So pay attention to that. Father, I ask that you would be with my brothers and sisters. I ask that you would make them spiritually strong, that Satan and the attacks of Satan would have no room in their lives, no room in their families. No room in their friendships, no room in their future. Father, I pray that you would make them so strong by your word, by your power, that they have no fear of what Satan can do because they are rooted and grounded in you. Father, I pray that you would give them the vulnerability to share how they need to obey you with other people. I pray you would give them the conviction to act on what you're asking them to do today and tomorrow and this week. And Father, I pray that you would give them the humility not to feel the need to do it on their own, not to try to draw credit for themselves when they do it, but just to come before you as their heavenly father and just receive your love and obey your commands. Thank you for meeting us in this space right now. Help us to be spiritually strong as we guard and protect and obey your word in our lives. I pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet today. We're going to finish up and sing about the goodness of God, sing about what Jesus has done for our lives. As we do that, several of us will be up front ready to pray with you. So I want to invite you, if there's anything on your heart, anything on your mind, anything that you just want to bring before a God who loves you, I just want to invite you to come forward and be prayed for as we seek God together. So let's finish today by worshiping our good God and by coming before him in prayer.